Thank you for listening to the Narrow Door Podcast. We hope today's word blesses and encourages you. Now let's open up the word together. Before I start, I, I want to ask Rusty if he'll pray for me. you do in the kingdom of God is you receive. You don't do anything. You receive. Right? And we've got to learn to do that. You know. And let's turn to John 1 and 11. And that's what you have to do. He said he came to his own and those who were his own, did not receive him. See, that's the biggest problem. They did not receive him. But verse 12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right. He got a right to become the children of God, even those who believe in his name. See, the key is, I can't, you know, today, I can't teach you anything if you haven't received Jesus Christ. If you haven't received Jesus Christ, that's all I can teach you this morning. I can tell you the good news that Jesus died for you and he, he washed away all your sins and he forgave you of everything. And if you don't receive that, then that's as far as you can go. I can't teach you any further than that. You can't receive any more than that until you receive Jesus. You believe that? Hmm? I do. You cannot receive any more if you haven't received that. 
He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Didn't hear, they didn't understand nothing he said, the ones who did not receive him. He get, and the ones who received him, he gave them there to hear. <clears throat> so we've got to learn to receive as Christians. That's all you have to do. It's a gift. All you got to do is receive it. You don't have to do anything for it. It's grace. It's a gift. It's nothing. Grace is nothing. It's plus nothing. Jesus died for all your sins. All your sins. Past, present, future. And all you got to do is receive it. If you have a problem receiving it, then you have a problem receiving anything else past that. But it's all a question of receiving from Him. You know, even what I'm doing this morning is just, there ain't nothing great about me. It's a gift that God has given me to teach. I can't boast about it. It's a gift. It's nothing in me. It's a gift. You don't never exalt a gift that God's given you. And that's one of our problems. We exalt people that God has given a gift to. Yes. And all the gift is to exalt, you know, is to exalt Jesus. Because it's a gift. It's not my gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit to start with. And He uses it in me wherever He wills. Not my gift. Start with. And He said, He gave what apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors those are gifts to who man <laughs> you know not a gift to me but if i have a gift of teaching it's for you not for me your prophet is a gift to you from god if you receive it most of you, do you know what you have to do to receive a prophet's reward? Prophet goes all over and takes stoning and, and everything. All you have to do is receive the prophet to get his same reward. He gets beat and cast out and cast down and cursed and, and everything, and he comes along, you receive and you get his same reward. That's what it says. That's what the Word of God says. Ain't that right? To get an apostle's reward, all you got to do is give him a drink. Water. So you know these are gifts, and you can have the same rewards that these people do with him not even having the gift just by receiving them. Let's look at John one sixteen. For of his fullness we all receive in grace. Grace. It's always been grace, folks. Ain't never been nothing but grace. <laughs> it was grace when he created Adam. And it was a grace when Jesus Christ died for your sins. It's always been grace. But you have to receive it. The only key to grace is you have to receive it through faith. Receive nothing from God but by faith. Impossible to please God without faith. But let me tell you another thing. 
the power of faith is patience. And that's what we're missing. Most of us ain't got enough patience to stand in faith that we'll receive it. See, a lot of prophets died never receiving it physically. But they did receive it because they stood patiently until death. You know, sometimes you never see it. Acts 10, 47. refuse water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did can he in other words how do you get the Holy Spirit let me tell you there's only one way receive it but the whole question is by faith like I said you got to go back to the thing you receive nothing from God but by faith but all you got to do is receive it but you got to believe that you received it. The question is, are you a believer or are you an unbeliever? You know, in the Methodist church, we got liberalism and conservatism. Well, what I could say this, in the Baptist church, you got liberalism and conservatism. That's what they call it. In the Presbyterian, you got liberalism and conservatism. No, I don't say that. I say you got belief and unbelief. <laughs> People don't believe the Word of God. He only call you to do one thing. Trust Him. Believe that He said what He said. And not believe the circumstances that you're in. <clears throat> receive it. you got to receive it. You understand that? you got to receive it. Not hearing it, but receiving it. Standing on it. Believing it. Walking in it. That's receiving it, not quoting it. That's good that he quotes it. That's good. That's just part of it. But has he received it? Has the left out here in verse 1, John 14 said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace, grace and truth. That, hey, that's, that was Jesus, and the, the Word became flesh. That's still, that is still a vital word for me. Has the Word of God became flesh in me? Can you see the glory of God and the grace of God flowing in me? See, that's all he, what he did in the first begotten. He was the first begotten. Is it happening in your life? Is the Word becoming flesh? Not religion. flesh in your everyday life are you doing the things that the world sees you as they see Jesus are you doing the, he said if you're not faithful over these things hey you're not going to be faithful over the ministry the good things that God's going to give you if you can't be faithful over an unrighteous manner if you can't be a good steward of the gift the natural gift that God has given you in the, in the manner 
unrighteous. He calls it unrighteous, man. If you can't be faithful over that, He's not going to give you the good things. See, because that's all from Him too. Everything that you have is from God. That's the point He wants. He wants to recognize that He is God. Have you come to that point that He is God? And nothing was made that wasn't made by Him. I don't care what you see, feel, or touch. Was made by Him. Even Satan. Let me tell you, don't worry about Satan. God got him on strength. And He pulls his strength. My Bible says there's only one power. And that's God's power. And he's still on the throne. He's still got everything under control. I don't care what you see, what you feel. And if I'm the only one believing, he'll work it in my life. Let me tell you about even what happened in here. Even what's happening here. You can relate. You know, some people look at it in the natural. And y'all have been judging in the natural. And you quit judging in the natural. I believe that if everybody everybody said everybody left here and there wasn't nobody left here, they say, oh, they miss God. No, I don't believe miss God. Don't believe miss God. It all falls apart. I don't believe we miss God. You can go back and you can judge the Word of God and the great things in everybody's life that had ever happened, and you find out you didn't judge it by the circumstances that happened. Noah preached for 120 years. 120 years. See, we don't we look at that as a great story, but have you put that in the natural of the reality of Noah being here today? Have you could you believe Noah saying that God's gonna send the flood? Or are you gonna believe the natural things that you see that there never has rained? For 120 years Noah preached. How many souls went into the ark? Eight. And they was all family. Was that not a God? If it was God, according to us, it should have been a great crowd. You know, there should have been millions. Right? That's the way we judge things. Isn't that right? You know that all the adults, there wasn't a single one that left Egypt that went into the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. Hey, man, God must have missed it. No, he didn't miss it. They didn't receive it. They didn't receive the rest that God had because they didn't trust God. They trust the giants more than they trust God. That's what God's saying to us today. Is Jesus enough? Is he? I think he is. Hey, he's the best God had. He was the only one that could have done it. And a lot of times we say ain't enough. Yes, he is. I tell you, day is enough. Let's turn to Acts 20, 44. I must be wrong. 
Cause there ain't no forty-four. It's twenty-four. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Holy, from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. How did, where did he, who did Paul receive his ministry? How did he get his ministry? He just received it. I'm going to get down where it hurts in a minute about receiving. got to receive. got to receive. That's the only way you're receiving. It's by grace that you receive it. It's just a gift. Even if you got a ministry, don't. It's his ministry. ain't yours. You don't have no ministry. I go on here if Jesus is enough, I go on down here and teach out of John. Let me tell you, he told Peter, what did he tell Peter? Oh, Peter was grieved. He said, Peter, you love me. Feed my lambs. It wasn't Peter's lambs. It was his lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter, follow me. Follow me. Isn't that what he said? What about John, though, Jesus? Looking over his shoulder. Don't worry about John, he says. You follow me. And John will have to follow me. It's God's ministry. And you have to receive the part He's given you. Receive it by faith. Trusting Him to work in. And wherever He leaves it, you better leave it. <laughs> Only problem you ever get into is you go farther than He goes. You ever get where you exalt yourself or people exalting you? Watch out. I believe, just like Bill Lee said, the only job that we have is to point people to Jesus. That's the thing he's trying to break in us. Is Jesus enough? We're pointing people to Jesus, not to ourselves. Turn to Romans fifteen seven. This part gonna hurt. Therefore, accept one another. just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. we got to receive one another. Not receiving them and changing them, receiving them as they are. 
Now go over to Romans 16, 2. That you receive her in the Lord in the manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she was also been a helper of many and of myself as well. You got to receive them, whatever state they're in. And you got to re receive them for who they are. I got to receive Jimmy like he is. Regardless of all the things that I don't like about him. And he don't like about me. You got to receive me. We got to learn to receive one another as we are. Not that we're, not that I'm right. But you can't change me. You have to receive me. That's what I learned. I learned two weeks. In the last two weeks, I got to receive and not expect people to change because of something I've done for them or gave them. Yeah. I can't, you know, sometimes you, you take somebody and you do something great for them, you think, well, they ought to be appreciative of what you've done for them. Hey, you got to, don't give it to them if you don't want them to be what they are. Does that make sense? And that's the way it is. And you got to love them enough and let your love flow to them, then that's what will change them. See, Jesus will change them. If they want to be changed. But you can't change them. And you got to learn, we got to learn for this body to do what it needs to do. We got to learn to receive one another with all our frailties, with all our faults, and with all our inadequacies. We got to learn to receive one another in Jesus. And we teach and we love. And through the teaching and through the loving, the understanding, the exhortation, then we'll come to the unity. But see, we all have a unity. You, you, we don't have to pray for unity. You believe that? Hmm? We are, if you are in the body of Christ, we are all in that same body. Hmm? You don't have to get up in the morning and tell your foot, come on foot, we're going to have unity with the body. Huh? Because it is part of your body. And it'll function. And it'll flow. Turn to Romans 8.28.
And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Whatever you're dealing with in your life, God's working for good. <laughs> yeah. To get you to where you can be perfected for His purpose. You believe that? That's right. And it's going to work for the good of even all the problems that you're having, even in the drought. It can be for good. Perfect you if you put Jesus first in your life. If you never have another crop. If you get to know Jesus and you didn't know Jesus, you're a million times better off to know Jesus than to never make a crop. If it brings you to that purpose in your life. So all things work for the good for those who've been formed for His purpose. The things that's working in your life right now is to form you for the working of God's purpose in your life. It don't mean that you need to stay in that. It means that you need to pass the test. <laughs> you know, God's trying to show you something to change you. Why are you having the drought? You know. Why did Joseph get sent to uh, Egypt? Hmm. It, it looked like it was all against God's purpose for him to go. But then he recognized had he not went to Egypt, he couldn't have saved his family. See? All things work for the good. For one purpose or another. All things can be turned around. I don't care where you're at. If you got a personal relationship with Jesus, Joseph was separated from his family, but in every situation that he got into, Jesus wasn't there. Jesus changed his situation. Is that right? He got into prison. He got at Potiphar's house. He was made he was made charge of everything in Potiphar's house until he got thrown into prison. But he didn't never compromise anything. Never compromised one time. Even when he got to prison, he could have compromised with Potiphar's wife. For man's sake. For his, but he didn't because it was against God. And when he got to jail, he was the, he run the jail, right? So, I mean, God, whatever authority you under, you obey the authority, and God will lift you up and move you. Wherever authority you under this morning, God has put you there. Hey, you need to obey the authority you're under. You need to submit to the authority you're under. And then God will recognize it. And if you need to move, if you... He's got you. He'll keep putting you under harder. If you can't obey that man, he'll put you under somebody a lot harder. And a lot harder. I've heard people say, I left here. I can't stand Fred Renfro. It's going to be enough Fred Renfro in your life. (laughs) 
you can't stand me as a teacher of God, then there's going to be another one down the road in your life until you get to that God forms that purpose in your life. You're going to keep running in the same situation. You can't run from it until you recognize and accept the authority that God's put you on. Then he'll move you out. He moved, well, he moved Joseph out of the prison, made him the highest ruler in, in Egypt other than Pharaoh. And he told Pharaoh what to do, if you don't know the truth about it. Daniel was a slave, and he never compromised his faith in God. Lines den, bow the knee, whatever, he prayed like he needed to pray to God. And under three different countries, under three different rulers, God raised him up. But you never see him opposing the authority other than where it came to believe in God above the authority. See, he was under that authority. And God used him. But this morning, you know, you've got to have, we said receive one another. And you've got to do that. And it's like I said in the beginning. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing else that you do in your life is going to matter. You can come to church and you can be a part of this fellowship. But I tell you what, you need to have a personal relationship to Jesus Christ. Somebody's asked me, well, what about, you, what about our commitment? Let me tell you the commitment that you got to have. you got to be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I ain't going to worry about your commitment. If you're supposed to be committed to this body and you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll be committed to this body. But if you ain't got Jesus in you and you try to be committed to this or be committed to me or some other man, it's going to kill you if you ain't committed to him. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you've got to be committed to him. And then he'll get, then he'll fitly join the body together. He'll fitly join it together. You know, we've been trying to do it so long. And I know a lot of people saying what are we going to do hey we're going to worship and praise God we're going to teach things. we're going to reach out but you know we're worried about who are we hey we're children of God and God's going to form the purpose that we are if we give him the time if we are not if we rush into this thing you know it's like that was the children of Israel as they come out of Egypt, they couldn't even wait 40 days till Moses got down off the, the mountain till they done had an idol built. We don't want no idol, folks. We don't want to start another denomination. If we can't get to the point that Jesus Christ is first in your life, then I don't want no part of religion. And some of us are going to have to go through a purging because we got religion before we got Jesus Christ. And we got it all mixed up in our life.
See, most of us come out of religion and found Jesus. And some of us don't know we're separated. Am I right? See, but Jesus is enough. See, that's what Paul said. Oh, Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started out in faith and grace, and now you... They're telling you you got to be circumcised. I tell you, if you've got to have something to see Jesus Christ, you better get circumcised too if you're not. You better start praying five times a day like the Muslims. You know, because you're going to have to fulfill the whole law. If you've got to have something besides Jesus Christ, he says, I beseech you to stand fast in the liberty I wish Jesus Christ set you free. And don't get entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Jesus called this thing a special thing. And, and I believe that's really what he wants to do is that Jesus has got to be first in this body. We got to center our eyes on Jesus. And that's what he's saying. To get that in right perspective in every one of our lives. That we got to learn that the testimonies this morning was really trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. We can get caught up in the in the in the in the things of doing things in a meetings we can meet five times a week but if then if we're meeting and, and we're requiring people to meet then you really can't be open to do what God wants you to do see we are fitly joined together and it doesn't mean that you have to assemble yourselves together five times a week some of us are fitly joined closer to one another than the other. You believe that? Because very much your foot just does not have that much relationship with your mouth anymore. Now Jacob's a little different. He hasn't grown to maturity. But your wrist and your hand have a real close fellowship. your nose and your mouth and your ears and your eyes. But, you know, God has fitted some closer. But it doesn't mean that you're separated in any way. Because Jesus is the connector. Jesus is divine. See? I think we're being put to a test right now to see if Jesus is enough. Are we willing to let Jesus be enough in our life? And still let Him be the glue and Him be the factor rather than it being tied to something or because we are one likeness and one mind. Is Jesus enough without being anything? Don't get it wrong. We are something. But I mean, right now, is Jesus enough? And we got to do things. There's some legal technical things that we got to do to comply just like Joseph and Daniel 
complied in his day that we got to be legally attached to something in a legal structure. And we're going to do that. But is Jesus enough? You know, I never find anywhere where Jesus even built a church. I never find it in the New Testament where any of the New Testament built a church. I've been searching. I've been really searching where God really wants to. I want Jesus to be the center point, the vocal point. You know, is that if you're trusting in something, I, I realize in this business here that if we've got somebody in a job and he's not really doing the job and we try to hang on to him until we get something else, we never get the right person until we move him. And God will trust God and God sends the right man. But as long as we're going to trust somebody you know, as long as we want to hang on to that man, then God never fills that, that spot. Until we make that vacant. As long as we go back to traditional things, then that's what we're going to hang on to, and God won't never be able to do what he needs to do. You know, is the Holy Spirit going to have his way here? Are we going to trust him? And... It, it's a it's a fearful thing for a man to for me or for anybody else is trying to say hold it together you know well I don't want to hold it together if Jesus ain't the glue here then it then it's going to be an error if I hold it together I could I could raise a big crowd I think I know how but that ain't what I I want Jesus to do it. I want him to do it. I want him to be the factor. I want him to be the... Because, see, that's all he says. Just like he said, feed my sheep, feed my lamb. Turn to John 15. Jesus is, you know, I, I look to find, how do you do this? But, but he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. What is he saying? Jesus is the vine. We're just, you know, it goes on to say that he takes away every branch that bears fruit, and he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Let me tell you what. I ain't in the pruning business. It says the Father is the pruner. I ain't here to judge you to find out what you need to do what's right. He's going to prune you or he's going to lock you off. Not me. I ain't in that. I'm just a branch. I'm not the vine. Jesus is the vine. And you need to get your source of strength from the vine. I'm just another branch. I might be above you and shade you, but you ain't getting your strength from me. You're getting it from Jesus. Jesus is divine. 
and the father is the dresser of that vine. And if somebody ain't bearing fruit, he's going to lop it off. And even those who bear fruit will be pruned. Not by me. I'm not the pruner. He is. The Father is. I ain't here to pull tears. Or neither are you. Who says, who will pull the tears? says, leave the tares alone. Who will pull the tares? says, the angel will pull the tares. And cast them. And burn them. Not me. I'm just a branch. And the branches should bear fruit if you're attached to the vine. But if you're attached to a church or to me or to an organization or to some other man, you ain't going to bear no fruit. Because they ain't the vine. They ain't the vine. Whole spirit sap. And you have to have the. When the sap goes down, what happens in the fall, Josephine? When the sap goes down out of the tree? <laughs> it dies, doesn't it? It literally dies. Right, doesn't it? It stands there and it literally dies when the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit goes, the tree dies. The leaves fall off. Turn the color. Looks pretty for a while. Then it dies. And then the, then the sap rises. The tree comes alive. So we need the sap is the Holy Spirit. And he flows through the vine. You got oil in your lamp. You can use it any way you want to use it. But your relationship needs to be to Jesus Christ. And if it ain't there... You never have a relationship here that'll hold you. Look in verse 4 there, it says, Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. See, the key is not in anybody else. Jesus always points himself. You can go through the whole scriptures, and it's me. Abide in me, not in anybody else. If you abide in me, and I in you, as the branches, see, branches, that's what we are, cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You've got to abide in Jesus is where it's at. It's not here. It's abiding in Jesus. I don't care where you go, but abide in Jesus. And men, you can have fellowship regardless of whether you're here. I, I want to say this, that, you know, I want you to be where God wants you to be. Regardless of whether you're here or whether you're at Andrew Chapel or First Methodist or Elville Baptist or Cornerstone, we're still the body of Christ. One vine. 
One thing. There is only one thing. There's only one dresser. Is the body of Christ separated, divided? No. If you if you feel that you're separated because you don't meet in the same building for two hours on a Sunday morning, then something's wrong with you. You don't have the personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you need. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish and it shall be done unto you. It is by this my Father glorified, my Father is glorified, that you bear fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As my Father has loved me, I have also loved you and abide in your love. You know, is Jesus, could we receive Jesus today in the 19th century? If he came today, could we receive him? Really, I mean us, not them, us. He'd be a weird type fellow. If you took, took Jesus here, and he came in the 19th century and he would dress like me or you because that's the way he dressed when he came in the, when he came in the period he came he would dress like us and he'd have been born of somebody here in Ellaville that's where he was born in a small town or maybe somebody that worked in the trailer plant here and he'd have been that's a could we receive him? Would we look at him in the natural and say, well, he's the son of Joseph. The fellow worked over at King's in the trailer plant. And the first thing he'd be doing, he'd be down there in the bottom, in Colortown over there. That's where he'd be ministering, probably, first thing. He'd be over there laying hands on those colored people got bad sores on their legs from syphilis and et cetera, et cetera. And, and we'd be saying, Jesus, you don't know who you're talking to. Hmm. He'd be laying hands on the homosexuals, got AIDS, and healing them. Could we receive Jesus? He, he didn't speaking long dissertation like I'm talking to you this morning. He gave you very short answers if you read the scriptures. Huh. Very short. He was a man of few words. A lot of people know me and know me at home and know me in the